The Fanboy, episode 83. Francisco Robles, MFR here with you, and this is the 83rd edition of the Fanboy Podcast. How's everybody doing out there? It is the first show of 2019, and I have to open things up by apologizing for something that I did at the end of 2018. You see, I led you guys on. It wasn't intentional, but uh, in the last show, last episode of 2018, I said I was going to give you one more before the year was up because that was the plan and I had every intention of doing that. But then the stars just didn't align because really what I wanted to do for that last show was to get this huge roundtable discussion and it just, you know, with everyone's schedules and with the holidays and everything going on, it just ended up not being feasible. So I kind of left some of you hanging. Those of you who were waiting for that show the following week, it never came. And here we are. What is it? It's it's January 18th or something like that. And now I'm finally back. But uh, I'm sorry for those of you who I kept waiting. Uh, I can let you know that these last few weeks have been good for resting and also getting some other types of work done to try to build up Revenge of the Fans because we did just hit our one-year anniversary this week. And I got to tell you, it's, it's, it's a crazy feeling. It's really a crazy feeling to know that the site has now been around for a year. We've had over half a million people come visit the site and read our reports and pass along our articles. And we've had over 60,000 downloads on our podcasts. And, you know, it's, it's, we're moving and shaking. The community's growing. The brand is, is uh, getting spread out there. And it's just, you know, it, it's a wonderful feeling to kind of see a dream of mine become shared as a community. There's a bunch of us now living this dream together, running our own podcasts and, and, and collaborating on some exciting stuff for this year. And, you know, it's just I, I want to thank everyone who's taken the time to visit the site, to ever share or retweet an article or to like the Facebook page or who is a member of the Revengers Lounge little private group that we have on Facebook where we have some fun in there fairly frequently. Um, you know, I just want to thank you guys because honestly, you know, you guys are why any of this happens. You know, I, and I know I say it all the time and maybe it, I'm beating a dead horse or something like that. But really, you know, from the bottom of my heart, I need to thank you guys because without you, I wouldn't have the motivation to do this stuff. I wouldn't be out here rallying the troops and, and getting everyone together to try to create great content for you. I would just go, hey, guys, nobody cares. Let's just go back to this being a hobby. But uh, right now you're giving myself and other members of the RTF team a feeling like this could be more than a hobby. Like This could be something bigger, like something far more special. And I just, I, I need to thank you for that. So, um, all right. So I got an apology out of the way. I got a thank you out of the way. And now uh, let's talk about what's going on out there in the world of geekdom, shall we? Since we last spoke, Aquaman crossed the billion dollar mark at the worldwide box office. And that's just, you know, unbelievable to think about when you consider how people have always traditionally spoken of the Aquaman character. When you consider the baggage that comes from Justice League, which was a carryover of the baggage that came from Batman v Superman. 
when you consider all the different critiques about, oh, Aqua Bro and all this sort of stuff and the atypical casting of Jason Momoa. Like, if you would have told me a couple years ago that Aquaman was going to become a billion-dollar movie and, you know, probably give birth to a billion-dollar franchise, um, you know, I probably would not have believed you. I would have asked for what you were smoking, and I might have asked to partake of some. Um, but they did it, you know? And, and to me, what's marvelous about that, what, what is extra special about that, is that it proves that audiences really have short memories, Audiences don't really care necessarily about baggage, about drama, about what the movie that came before, or the continuity, or the canon, or, oh, I didn't like this one, so I'm not going to keep going. Like, no, at the end of the day, they're going to give you a chance to win them back. As long as the movie looks good, as long as the buzz around it is positive, and, and, and friends are seeing it and telling their friends, oh, this is a great time at theaters... They don't care necessarily so much about all the stuff that we inside of our little hardcore hive of fandom here obsess about on a daily basis. General audiences seemingly just don't care about that. And while I'm sure that that will be uh, you know, a thorn in the side of people like the fanboy garage's Aaron Verola, the continuity king, you know, it once again proves that continuity and all that sort of stuff really kind of doesn't matter. At the end of the day, if you give audiences a good movie, it doesn't matter if it retcons certain things from the past. It doesn't matter if it's a soft reboot or a hard reboot or whatever. People just want to see a good movie at the end of the day. So it's interesting, you know, because Aquaman almost kind of pulled like a Deadpool, if you think about it. Because Deadpool appeared, what, in X-Men Origins Wolverine, and he was, and it, it, it didn't go well. And then look how well Deadpool has done since with a fresh coat of paint. And new writers and new, you know, new new directors calling the shots, you know, it just there are so many examples of the fact that audiences they don't really carry over stuff from previous movies. They see the trailers, they maybe they look at the reviews, or maybe they just they trust their friends. But whatever the case, all the stuff that we stress about so much, they don't. And in a way, that's comforting. In a way, it's comforting, it's liberating. You got to imagine, if you're a studio executive, when you see this sort of thing happen, it must be a huge weight off your shoulders. Because, you know, it, it means that, okay, even if we have a misfire, like a Justice League, and again, I'm not talking about the quality of the movie. I know some people love it, some a lot of people hate it, whatever. But, you know, at box office-wise and perception-wise, Justice League was a misfire. It was a big missed opportunity. And to be able to have a misfire and then bounce back just a year later with a billion-dollar movie set in that same world is kind of incredible. You know, same way we're like, you know, people were really down on Suicide Squad and, you know, DC had a pretty tough year in 2016. And then Wonder Woman came out to kind of open up the DC gates in early 2017 in June. And bam, Wonder Woman was a sensation and everyone loved it. Like, it's just... It's, it's, it's just really nice to see. And honestly, for me as a fan, it opens up the possibilities of what I think I should expect or can expect. Because it's funny, the, the success of Aquaman makes me look at a lot of things kind of differently. You know, right now, you know, if we look at like other properties or other projects, I should say. You know, right now, Batman's been in the headlines a lot lately again. Because, I mean, honestly, when is Batman not in the headlines? He's freaking Batman. But, you know, with all this chatter about who's going to be cast and when is it going to get filmed and when is it going to come out and who's the villain and all this hemming and hawing, 
you know, looking at it through the filter of what just happened with Aquaman, it's it's got me thinking a way that I never would have normally thought. So come with me on this for a second. Because if you're the studio, or if you're really anyone, if you look at what Aquaman just did, considering its lineage and the polarizing, divisive nature of, what, of what's come before it, the fact that audiences have shown that they're willing to embrace it and give it another chance shows you that maybe the studio should not be, re, you know, should not be tossing out all of the relics from the previous era. I know for some of you, Mauricio, if you're watching, uh, you're probably rolling your eyes, you want a full reboot, but hear me out because I think we can both get what we want. This is where I'm going with this. We also heard a few months back that Ben Affleck was perhaps curious about coming back, that he would have been agreeable to a version of Matt Reeves' script that included bookending it with his Batman. And something I didn't mention in my reporting on that, which I'll just tell you guys because you're the cool ones. Um, at the same time, they were even talking about a Birds of Prey cameo for Batfleck, for him. And that tells me that there may be a second version of that script that includes him. I don't think they're going to use that version of it. I've heard nothing of it since. I, I've heard weird murmurs that there is like a mysterious question mark on the cast list, some sort of male cameo. But... I honestly, I, I don't expect that to happen anymore. But I bring that up because if if Batfleck was willing, if Batfleck, if Ben Affleck is willing to come back, and Matt Reeves is intent on making his film its own thing, which is really the way it seems to be going. I mean, based on all the casting rumors I'm hearing, and not just from like people talking about it on Twitter, but like from people who are relatively close to the situation, a lot of the names I'm hearing are not any actors who could realistically, convincingly play a young Ben Affleck, it's got me thinking Matt Reeves really is going to kind of be set in its own world. So with that in mind, I really want to see the Matt Reeves movie, his detective noir thing. I wrote about it at the end of last year. It sounds really exciting to me. I think that would be a dynamite Batman movie. So the success of Aquaman has got me thinking, okay, if people really are okay with giving these former DCEU characters or whatever, these DCEU characters, a second chance, as they proved with Wonder Woman and Aquaman, then that means that we should get a Batman movie. And obviously we should also get another Superman movie with Henry Cavill, but that's a separate topic at this point. But we should also be able to get the Matt Reeves Batman movie. So what I'm thinking is, make the Matt Reeves Batman movie part of that other banner. Make it part of the Elseworld tales. Make his a specific offshoot that is on its own. And then you get Ben Affleck back to continue on the work of what we saw from Batman v Superman and Justice League and uh, hopefully a you know, huge improvement from the Batman we saw in Justice League. But the point is, the character is still viable. So I'm suddenly coming around on the idea of maybe having a two-Batman approach. And you, know, you could have the Matt Reeves ones, which are going to be very sort of like, you know, low tech, low budget, more of just like grounded, gritty detective stories. And then you know, the Ben Affleck ones could be the big blockbuster ones that have a little more, you know, that that, that just, you know, have a bigger budget and, and, and tackle the story and the character a bit differently. Maybe I'm crazy for thinking that. But 
this is my way of trying to reconcile the fact that I both want the Reeves Batman and I want Van Affleck back. And the fact that Jason Momoa now is, is headlining a billion-dollar movie shows that Ben Affleck can probably do the same if given the chance. And Matt Reeves has been the one who says he doesn't want Affleck back. He hasn't said that publicly, but according to my sources, I, I've also spoken to folks like Mark Hughes, to Jet from Batman on Film. We all heard the same thing. We all heard the same thing from the same internal sources that there was once a point where Ben Affleck and a group of people from the studio approached Reeves about, hey, would you be open to this? And ultimately, he's the one who slammed the door. So if Reeves is going to be that way, then let's just put Reeves' movie off on its own island and let Batfleck get a chance to really do what he can do. Let's take that warehouse sequence from Batman v Superman. Give me a movie that feels that way and looks that way, please. Um, so that's kind of like what I want to say about the success of Aquaman and to me how that informs what I'd like to see happen with Batman. And I'd love to hear your feedback on that idea. How would you feel if there were two versions of Batman going on, you know, in, in sort of very starkly different universes? Do you think that could work? Is that insane? Would you go see both? Do you think general audiences would see both? Do they even have to? If the Matt Reeves movies, let's say, because, you know, let's say they can make those for under $100 million because they're more, you know, just detective stories, not a lot of action, not a lot of spectacle, not a lot of huge blockbuster type of, you know, uh, trimmings, then it doesn't even really need to make a huge sum of money. You know what I mean? Save that, you know, save that for the big budgeted stuff. You know, right now, it, it wouldn't take much for a $70 million Batman movie to do great enough business to warrant that little secondary offshoot of Batman, while Batfleck gets the treatment like Wonder Woman and Aquaman did. They get the big, flashy, glossy solo films that wipes away the slate and the, 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 the bitter taste people have from their previous excursions. That's just kind of what I, you know, that, that's where I'm at today. And that is sort of the logic with which I'm, I'm, I'm viewing that situation. Um, in terms of any, like, updates on the Batman casting stuff, look, there's, there's like five names floating around. You know, the one that we keep hearing is Jack O'Connell, but he's not alone. You know, there's still, there's some names that, to me, is why I tweeted about it the other day, um, some really strange ones. Ones that are like, I love the actors, but this guy's like 5'7 or 5'8, and I don't know if I can picture that. Like, I'm not even kidding. The other day, I heard that the studio may even want to just speak to. They haven't yet, but there's even this. By the way, you're going to hear some crazy noises because, of course, today, when I'm bringing the show back, this is the day that my upstairs neighbors have their cleaning ladies come and they're moving and vacuuming and, I don't know, bowling upstairs. So I, I you know, I'm sorry uh, for the sounds you're going to hear while I'm trying to talk to you today. But, you know, one of the names was Taryn Egerton. And I'm not putting this out there as like an official casting rumor. Please don't anyone like run this. But it's just an, like, it's the name of someone who's apparently on like just an internal short list where they're like, oh, what would you think of Taron Egerton? And they're having discussions about it. Listen, I love Taron Egerton, but for Batman, like, come on. So this is the kind of stuff where I'm just like, you know, I, I'm trying not, I'm trying to reserve judgment, even though I think I just failed at that miserably by 
freaking out about it, but I'm trying my best to reserve judgment. I, I want to see where Reeves goes with this. Uh, I'm very intrigued by what it is he was going to do with the you know, with this movie. Um, I like everything I've heard creatively speaking, but when I hear some of these names, I'm like, there's no way he's trying to make this a prequel to Ben Affleck anymore. While that may have been a plan, while at some point they were just going to do almost like a like, like a switch out, like what happened with Keaton and Kilmer and Kilmer and Clooney, or you know, at one point it might have been a prequel. Now with some of the names I'm hearing, it just feels like this is definitely on its own but for the time being i would also just caution you to just let's take it easy let's take it easy the movie should be filming much later this year probably like november which lines up and explains why you know a report that i put out back at the end of october about how folks you know may have to wait a little longer for batman than anticipated remember i warned you about that well you know now it's it's come to pass since we last spoke the Hollywood Reporter more or less confirmed it. Um, and it just seems like Batman is not coming in 2020. It's probably going to be 2021, possibly 2022. I hope not. I'm I, I'm internally thinking summer of 2021 is where we're going to get our next Batman movie. That's just my thing. Um, but yeah, you know, in terms of like responding to the Batman rumors and stuff, because some of you asked me about that, you know, it's just, it's confusing and it to me it paints a picture that his movie is officially no longer part of the DCEU continuity but that's just me you know speculating based on these names because none of these people can be a young batman you know jack o'connell may be very talented but he can't be a young batman taron egerton like come on you know that that noah centineo name by the way keeps on popping up and it freaks me out um, but regardless, none of these people that they're looking at are a young Affleck type. So that tells me that he made some official decision at some point earlier this year where he said, that's it. The, the linking this to the previous movies is officially off the table. I'm doing this by myself on my own. Do not, you know, stop asking me to connect this to the other stuff. I, that to me is what some of these casting choices seem to indicate. Um, well, you know, we'll, 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 see how that plays out. We'll see how that plays out. Um, one of, uh, one of you out there, Jeff Hunter, how you doing, Jeff? You asked me to sound off a little bit on Titan season two and any details on that. I don't necessarily have any, um, insight or a new information on season two, but I can pass along just a little, in, you know, something that I found interesting where you guys know that Titan season one was cut a little short. I believe it was like by one episode or something like that. Uh, I'm told that the reason for that was they decided to hold off on revealing Nightwing just yet. You know, season one had a lot of, you know, they're, they're kind of laying down the foundation for Dick Grayson to become Nightwing. And apparently this season was going to end with like a big bunny shot of, of uh, I guess his name is uh, Brenton Thwaites. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but of him in the Nightwing costume. And when they looked at it and they got all the footage back and they, they, they observed it, it just didn't, it didn't feel right. It just sort of, I don't know, I don't know if it's the costume, I don't know if it was the presentation, but they saw it and they said, you know what, we should hang on to this until season two and let's continue to, to, to massage this a little bit and work this out. You know, they, they didn't think it would be a fitting conclusion to season one. And I think they might have thought it might disappoint people after all of the hype for Nightwing. 
So that's just something I find interesting. That Nightwing will now you know, be part of season two. And they may even be reworking the costume based on some of the internal scuttlebutt I've heard about how you know, there was just a general sense of underwhelmment with how Nightwing was presented in the original conclusion to Titan season one. So Jeff, I'm, I hope that counts uh, as the uh, season two update you were hoping for. You know, that's just uh, it's just my hunch. I mean, not, not my hunch, but you know, that, that's all I can really share at this point. That's all I really know, okay? Um, listener Gabriel Nakamura, uh, he asked about, you know, any updates on New God, no. <laughs> That's a, that's a different question. Sorry about that. Um, Gabriel asked about which DC film do I think is going to film next? Because we know Birds of Prey is now officially filming. It's officially underway as of January 14th, this past Monday. And what's next, right? Because at some point, depending on what time last year you were checking in on things, it was going to be The Flash, and then that was going to be followed up by the Batman. And then there might have even been a third film in production at the end of the year. But now, you know, Flash got somewhat delayed. Uh, Batman got somewhat delayed, just in terms of those scripts needing a little extra work and the studio not wanting to rush things. But in terms of what I see coming next, it's a little bit of a toss-up, honestly. I, it, it could be the Flash if the tweaked script comes in in time. And the, you know, the, the scheduling with Ezra Miller and Fantastic Beasts and all that stuff works out. That could still be the next one if they can get that sorted out. But then again, so could Batman. Because he's already, you know, Reeves has already turned in the second draft of his script. There's already a way to kind of start getting the, the, the engine revved and getting things in gear and ready to head out of the tunnel. So I think it's it's a toss-up between Batman and Flash, and it'll come down to which script gets locked in first. Which script gets that final draft that makes the studio go, okay, let's put some fire behind this and get this made, you know? And then, like, the wild card? The wild card for me would be um, Ava DuVernay's New Gods. You know, I feel like, and this isn't based on anything. I haven't heard any updates on it. But I just kind of get this sense that she might have been getting her affairs in order for a while now. You know, things have been quiet on that front, but that doesn't mean that it's because the project has stalled out or whatever. She might have just she might just be quietly getting all her ducks in a row and getting ready to make that movie made. So to me, that's like the wild card. I'm not expecting it, but I would say it's going to be Flash or Batman with a small chance that New Gods surprises us with some big news soon and enters production ahead of those somehow. But we'll see about that. Uh, listener Wildcard underscore OE over on Twitter. Um, he asked me to sort of update on the Harlequin trilogy that's been getting rumored for the last couple, you know, couple of days, or I think maybe just a day. Uh, what's interesting about that is that it's not really a thing. Um, what I mean by that is, first of all, it's not a Harley Quinn trilogy that's being put out there. It's just we've only heard of three of the movies so far. So some folks have taken that information and they frame it like it's a Harley Quinn trilogy. And the rumor is, you know, there's going to be Birds of Prey, there's going to be Gotham City Sirens, then there's going to be um, Gotham City Sirens versus Birds of Prey. And that would be the trilogy. But the thing is, like, 
I actually reported that rumor like, I don't know, six months ago or something. Because it's not really new. These are just all the movies that we've heard that they want for, for Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. And right now there could end up being more. There could be four or five or six, or there could just be two. It really all depends on how Birds of Prey you know, comes together and how confident the studio feels about that when that comes out next year and everything. Because like I reported, I, I, I got to find the report, but I mentioned that they want to do a thing where there's a new Harley Quinn movie coming out every year from 2020. So all this sort of new news that you're reading on it is actually just reheated rumors from months ago. And I'm not like throwing shade at anyone. I don't fault anyone for doing that. I mean, sometimes stories spring up again. It happened to me the other day. The other day, um, I saw a new tweet about, you know, article, an article about another live action Ninja Turtles reboot. So I instantly thought, oh, this must be new news. So I assigned it to, I believe, Matt. I think it was Matt who handled that one. And then after we published it, he's like, dude, do you know that that's actually from June? And I'm like, what? And I felt really bad. But it's old news. And sometimes these things happen. So there's no hard feelings, please, if anyone you know, from another site sees this and, and you're someone who passed along the birds of prey thing as if it's something new. Listen, I'm not, I, I have no qualms with you. These things happen. But in actuality, for fans out there, for readers out there, for listeners out there, if you're trying to make sense of this stuff, this Harley Quinn trilogy that you're hearing about is just the a new way of packaging a rumor from several months ago. All that's really known right now is the studio is very high on Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. They have all kinds of projects in mind for her. And in theory, you know, we, we only know about three of them, but in theory, there could be more, there could be less. And at the end of the day, it's going to come down to how Birds of Prey does and how confident they are with it as Kathy Ann's production sort of, you know, continues to to work its way through the year and then get into post-production and the studio sees the early cuts and, you know, it's, it, it's a process. It's a process, but there is not, you know, we need to put to bed this idea that they're prepping a Harley Quinn trilogy because they're not, that's not it. That's not what they're trying to do. Okay. Um, and for the sake of clarity, I just paused recording just to kind of double check when it was that I covered on that stuff. And I first mentioned that, you know, there was going to be a new Harley Quinn movie every year starting in 2020 in a report called Revenge Report, uh, Batman Bits, Suicide Squad, uh, Joker casting and big plans for Harley Quinn back on July 19th. And then I followed up on August 2nd by mentioning in an article about how David Ayer, who was, you know, who was said to be developing Gotham City Sirens, you know, had recently met up with Paul Dini. And at the very end of that article written on August 2nd, I mentioned, you know, I wonder if this has anything to do with those whispers of a Birds of Prey versus Gotham City Sirens movie. This is back from August, you know, so again, this is just, these are rumors that are out there. This isn't even, this, this isn't even mine, by the way. I'm not like taking credit for it. These are just rumors that have been floating around, you know, so just in terms of, for those of you who think that this is new, I'm just letting you know that it's not new and we'll see how it shapes up. All right. Um, and look, I kind of have to, I have to stop for a second. Uh, I've had to stop recording a couple times on this episode so far and it's because I'm just not feeling great today. I haven't been feeling great. 
uh, I would say for like about a month or two. I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with me. Um, I think I'm battling some some form of depression, and I probably have to get back into therapy. Um, but I'm just not feeling good, and I feel like just being honest with you guys today, because I'm sure there are lots of people not feeling so great. Um, and I just want to talk about this because it's you know it's hard to discuss mindsets and and depression and outlooks and perspectives on life. You know, it's it, it's it's a tough conversation to have, and some people have a hard time verbalizing their feelings, and some people feel like there's no one out there who wants to listen to them or who would understand them. And I'm gonna take a shot in the dark right now, as my fucking upstairs neighbors continue their cleaning crew continue to uh clean their apartment upstairs must be nice um to just talk to you very honestly and this may revert to some fanboy geeky chatter and it may not but i just want to be honest with you because that's what this show is and you know this show is whatever I want it to be. And right now, today, I just have to speak my truth. And to be perfectly honest, I often think of of happiness as like a boat. It's a boat out at sea. And a lot of times, the sails have some wind in it. You have some idea of where you want to go with that boat. You have this big, wide open ocean out in front of you and some idea of where you want to go and how you want to get there. But sometimes, unexpectedly, the boat comes ashore. Sometimes you, you crash into a desert island that you didn't see coming. Sometimes uh, uh, a shark in the ocean knocks you over. And lately, it's, it's been hard for me. I don't know why. And I have to try to get a grip on that. Because, um, you know, at the end of the day, I guess it, it comes down to trying to find the things that put wind in your sails. And I think that's what entertainment does, right? You know, for some of us, what puts, what puts wind in our sails are the things that we love. It could be a movie, it could be a comic book, it could be a song, it could be whatever. It could be a person you're in love with. It could be a best friend. It could be God. It could be, you know, everyone needs to find ways to put wind in their sails. That's how you get through a day because it's not always easy. And life can be unbearably hard sometimes. And no one really properly warns you about that. You always kind of think it's all going to fall into place at some point. But I don't know about you, but sometimes it feels like my sail is punctured and I have no idea how to fix it. And, you know, I can't afford that. I can't afford to feel that way. I can't afford to be, you know, directionless or coming ashore frequently because I have people who rely on me. There's a lot of people in my life who need me, you know, from my wife and my kids and my family and, and the people I run the site with and do all this for and, and, and with and, and all this, my bandmates the couples who entrust me with the most important days in their lives when they ask me to DJ their wedding and, 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 they, can, and, and, and they, they plan out these beautiful days with me and then it's up to me to execute them. You know, people rely on my ability 
to be able to motivate myself, get out of bed in the morning, put a put put my game face on and push forward no matter what's going on inside me. And sometimes that's easier to do than other times. And lately it's been harder than it's been in a long time. And I got to get a grip on that because I started sort of self-medicating and that's not healthy. You know, I'm 35 years old. I've never had a substance abuse problem myself personally. But uh, in the last year, literally almost exactly a year ago, um, I started, you know, I started smoking pot uh, with some frequency. Uh, I got one of those pot pens with the THC oils in it and this and that. And, you know, it went from being a thing I did every once in a while to make, you know, just to kind of giggle and laugh and be happy and mellow and de-stress for a little while. And over the course of the year, it became a thing that I just started doing like every single day. And then in the last month or so, it became a thing I was doing all throughout the day where it was just part of my daily maintenance. Like if I didn't have a slight haze going on, I didn't feel right and I was happy. I, or I was unhappy, I should say. I wish I was happy. So I made a decision recently about a week ago to cut that out. So now I'm, I'm one week off of that stuff. And it's not easy because I am dealing with some depression so these sad moments happen during my days where all of a sudden I just feel like I don't want to deal with anyone and I want to go running into the woods and never be seen again. And whereas for the last couple of months, I've been able to sort of medicate my way through that. Now it's up to me to figure out the path forward. And I'm happy to have kicked that stuff. You know, it was fun while it lasted. But I got to take care of me and numbing myself with that isn't actually addressing this sort of void I feel inside. It's not fixing the hole in my sail. So I got to get back into therapy. I got to start taking care of myself. I got to get back on track here because too many people rely on me for me to feel this shitty. Um, so I don't know. If it, if anyone else out there, if you ever feel this way, you know, you can always feel free to reach out to me, tweet me, email me, mfr at revengeofthefans.com. You know, uh, you're not alone. You're not alone. Life can be, uh, life can be tough and unexpectedly so. And it's all about, you know, it's all about how you figure out what, how you're going to get back up and keep moving forward, right? Like Rocky said, it's a quote that I, I often cite. And it's, I, the reason I love that quote from Rocky Balboa is because the older you get, the more you realize life kind of is like that. Life knocks you down. Life can knock you down. I don't want to seem totally pessimistic today. But when you look around at how people treat one another, when you pay attention to how people treat you, when you see the trends of what's going on in the world and, you know, you realize certain things about how this whole game is rigged and uh, it can be hard. It can be really, really hard to find that motivation. So when Rocky Balboa says it's, it's, it's not about how hard you can hit, it's about how hard you can get hit and then keep moving forward. It's like, whew, that is the truth. That is just the truth. 
And uh, I've been down lately, but I'm not down for the count. <laughs> I'm going to get back up. And, uh, you know, right now I'm, I'm kicking around some exciting stuff because traditionally speaking, what gets me out of a funk uh, when I'm not self-medicating like I did this year, what typically gets me out of a funk is throwing myself into work, throwing myself into how do I kick things up a notch? How do I reinvent my skill set so that it brings me as much joy and prosperity as possible so that my family and I can be comfortable and we can do the things we love and I can see those little smiling kids every day and know that daddy's not letting them down and I'm giving them a good ride because I want them to have a good ride for as long as possible um, before, you know, life inevitably kind of knocks them down a pig. While they're with me under my roof, I want their life to be sensational. So I'm planning on just kind of throwing myself into my work, into, the, into my passions, into the things that I love doing, which happen to be things that can be profitable, things that can be good for me and my family and my sustained future and hopefully some sustained sense of happiness and direction for my boat out at sea. So that's why, you know, that's why I've dropped like 17 exclusives this year on Revenge of the Fans. It's why I've been at my computer more than ever working on content and editing stuff and, and trying to create something out of this website and out of these shows because it's been great to do this as a glorified hobby, but right now it takes up so much of my time that I feel like it's, it's either got to become profitable this year or I have to stop. Um, and I don't want to do that. So right now, one of the things I'm trying to do is figure out how to run this site like a business, like a proper business, not just like a fan blog where here's some cool stories and all right, enjoy, bye. You know, here we're giving you hundreds of hours of content and we're not asking for anything in return. You know, that's all very kind and, and noble and, and I've, I, I loved doing that for a year, but it's time to do something more substantial with this. So... That's why we're launching a, a whole revamped Patreon campaign next week. Uh, I'm going to reveal the details for that on the Revengers podcast on Tuesday with Vanessa and Brett. And I hope you guys will consider donating to that. I'm also going to figure out other ways to just monetize the site. You know, ways I can do that keep my, my credibility, keep my integrity, but make the site more profitable. Because, you know, it's right now it's not. You know, right now, full disclosure... It averages about a hundred bucks a month. That's what we get. We with the Google AdSense revenue that we generate, we get like a hundred bucks a month, and that barely covers just the cost of having a professional website. You know, a, 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 a real WordPress website that looks and, and 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 has all the features that we need, and you know, it's it's so a hundred bucks a month, people. That's that that's what I've been doing this for ultimately. And for those of you who currently contribute to the Patreon, despite getting nothing extra from me, thank you so much. You know, I've been getting Patreon contributions now for a little over a year, and I've given you, I, I've given you very little in the way of exclusive Patreon content. And I know that that's how that is supposed to work. You're supposed to get exclusive goodies from me for your, you know, generous donations and... Just know I, I appreciate those of you who've, who've contributed 
without me really giving you much of anything extra. And for those of you who, who haven't come on board yet, I hope next week uh, when I tell you what we've got for you, uh, you'll consider it because, you know, it just it's time for Revenge of the Fans to become something that adds a little more tangible benefits to my life. Either that or I got to go get like some other job or something. I don't know. Um, I'm also working on a movie. I, uh, I'm writing a script and I'm working out all the logistics and my cast and what we're going to film and where we're going to film it. And it is my goal by the end of this year to have a movie up on Amazon Prime streaming that you guys can watch and rip me a new one for. I'm going to make a movie this year. Uh, for those of you who followed the show for a while, you heard last year uh, when I interviewed Nigel Bach, the filmmaker Nigel Bach, who had made a couple of films that I found on Amazon Prime, and I was just struck by his ingenuity and his um, the ambition of what he was doing and the fact that he just went for it. He wasn't scared. He had a dream and a vision, and he just did it. And now it's out there for all of us to see and judge. And it opened up doors for him. And it was really ins inspirational for me to realize that the only thing stopping me from doing any of that stuff is me. There's no excuse anymore for if I want to create some art, if I want to make a movie for you, if I want to do something, I have to just find the time and do it. And that, you know, this year, that's, that's another way in which I want to try to patch up that hole in my sail. Just focus on creating something like that because I feel that that would make me happy. You know, I've it's something I've always dreamt of doing. And, you know, I'm an actor, I'm a writer, I'm a director with experience and all these. I have all these years of training. I have all of this, this wealth of knowledge and experience that's kind of getting used for nothing. You know, it's, it's just not getting used. I'm not doing anything with it. I have these, these supposed gifts and tools and they're just sitting there unused. I think that's part of the reason why I, I, I get into depressions because it feels like I, I'm wasting time and I'm wasting potential and I'm not living up to what I can do and it's hard. You know, that that's one of the drawbacks of, of being uh, like a freelancer like myself, kind of like, you know, or being kind of like an entrepreneur or, or kind of deciding that you're not going to fit yourself into some other career path. You're, you're, you're going to pave your own way. And that's cool and exciting, especially in the rare instances where you can pull that off. You know, I'm 35 and I've never really needed a, a grown-up job. You know, since, since the age of 19, I've been living by my own means, following the things that I like to do and finding a way to make money off of them. So that's great. And, and people, you know, love that. And I, people tell me, oh, you've got the life, dude. I wish I had your setup and so on and so forth. But one of the things about that is that there's also no structure. There's no one there to hold you accountable. There's no necessary like plan in place. There's no way I'm not going to get a promotion. I'm not going to get a raise. I'm not going to, you know, the, all the things that other people in more conventional lifestyles can look forward to. That stability, the social securities and the retirement plans and all that stuff. I don't have any of that stuff. I'm just going out there doing my best with my with my toolkit and trying to turn it into something that can be good for me and my family um and it's just time for me to to take a look at all that stuff 
and self-motivate once again and put on my work and shoes and get out there and do the things that I love to do and do them well enough that they hopefully help me out somehow. Um, so I'm sorry if any of this was TMI. I just, I got to be honest. And I, and, and I feel like, you know, this time of year, some people suffer with like seasonal depression in the dead of winter. A lot of people get sad around the holidays and all that stuff. And I have a feeling I'm not the only one who's just down, almost inexplicably down. I had to apologize to my wife the other day because something it just sometimes it just happens. We're in the supermarket with, with the kids and we're shopping and then I just feel lousy and I kind of shut down and I'm easily irritable and everything bothers me and I had to just kind of, you know, shut down for a little while. I got very quiet. I was giving one word answers. When we got home, I kind of had to go to the my room and close the door and just kind of lay down for a little bit before preparing dinner just to try to like clear my head. And I had to apologize for essentially what I described earlier, this feeling out of nowhere that my ship came ashore, that all of a sudden I, I went from sailing out and everything's great to all of a sudden I just crashed into something. And I got, I, I got to figure that out. I got to figure that I can't keep coming ashore as often as I has been as I have been lately because way too many people rely on me for me to feel this way. I'm sorry if I said that already. I'm not sure if I did, but it's how I feel. Um But yeah, you know, I got goals this year. And I tweeted about it and a lot of you like that and you know, you, you you're with me on this journey. I said I want to reinvent things and kick things up to a new level and you know what in terms of the site it's already happening you know we're 18 days into 2019 and traffic has been consistently the best it's been all year all the exclusives all the extra work i'm putting in all the rolling up of my sleeves and doing everything i can to make revenge of the fans something special so far we're only a couple weeks in but so far so good on that uh, there's a lot further to go, but, you know, I've got goals this year, and I think I'm, I, I can achieve almost all of them, provided I can, I, I can stop crashing onto desert islands at random and suddenly just not wanting to do anything. So, here we go. This is the first episode of the year. I know it may not have been exactly what you were expecting, Um there will be more traditional episodes after this stuff where I have more long form theses on topics like Star Wars and Marvel and DC and Batman and Superman and all that other good stuff. But for right now, I try to prepare a show like that for you and I tried to record a show like that for you, but I found that I just, it wasn't coming from a real place. I was, uh, I'm just not feeling well today. And to anyone else not feeling well today, I got your back. And I know what it feels like to just not really know what's wrong or how to fix it. Um, I know one thing I have to do, by the way, one thing I can do to sort of fix it is I got to stop doing all the social media stuff. I spend so much time on Twitter. I spend so much time on Facebook and Instagram that it... I honestly think it brings me down. 
because there's just so much negativity out there. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And it's why the happiest I am each year is that week when I go camping with my family. Because when I go camping with my family every summer, there's no phones. Even if we wanted to, there's no cell service where we go upstate. And it gives me a week to just disconnect from all the hostility and all the passive aggression and all the sarcasm and the snark and the cynicism, you know. And it's weird because it's like addictive because I get so little joy out of it. I'll, I'll jump on Twitter to see how the articles are doing today and to interact with readers. And before I know it, I've been scrolling for an hour and I'm no longer enjoying it. I'm just reading angry people share their myopic views on things they don't understand. And then I wonder why after hours of that, I'm feeling hollow and empty and bitter inside, you know? So one thing I got to do is I got to seriously scale down on the social media. I may strictly just use Twitter for a while just to just for Revenge of the Fans business. Very little personal time spent on it because I find it to be sort of toxic. The whole thing doesn't matter what fandom you are. This is not you know, aimed at anyone in particular. I just find social media where where human beings go to say how they feel unfortunately tends to be filled with negative energy and hostility and cruelty. And after a while, that just totally interferes with my natural flow, my natural optimism. Because I do, I do typically feel pretty good about life. And I do have a lot of great things happening for me. But, you know, hearing all these negative voices constantly eventually breaks through all of that optimism and hits into my own dark, sad, angry core. And then it just becomes this cycle of anger and, and resentment, and I just can't do it anymore. So aside from cutting out the, you know, the vape pen, the pot pen, I'm also, I, I got to scale down the social media because it's just, it's too much. It's too much on the Twitter. It's too much, you know, sometimes I want to just tell people like, okay, listen, I get it. It's 2019, you have all these tools and all these platforms with which to share your opinion and to share what you're offended about, but guess what? Your opinion doesn't matter to anyone but you, and that's got to be okay. For thousands of years, that's how humans have lived. We've lived with thoughts and opinions and things that make us happy and things that make us sad that just reside right here in us or in our heads or with our best friend or with our spouse or whatever. Now we live in an age where everyone gets to just, here's how I feel, respect my feelings, tell me I am right. If you tell me I am wrong, I'm going to come after you. Like, you know, or, or, or you said something that doesn't jive with how I feel about something. So now I'm going to attack you and belittle you and demean you. Like, it's just social media for me. And I, I didn't want to, you know, at this point, it's cliche. It's cliche to insult social media. Everybody does it. No one has a solution for it. And guess what? Later, I'm going to tweet out this episode and retweet it and hope that you guys comment on it. And I'll be checking Twitter for your responses. So how's that for hypocrisy? Here I am, you know, talking shit about Twitter, but I'm going to be on it later just to see how, you, just for this thing that you're watching, you probably heard about it on Twitter. So... You know, I, I don't want to go off into that sort of anti-social media tangent. But in this age, I, I get incredibly frustrated 
by seeing people who are nobody, including myself, I'm nobody, feeling like their opinion is so important that if you disagree with it, they're going to come after you. Like the arrogance of that, the self-obsessiveness of that, that is new. That is a new human behavior that's risen up in this age of everyone gets a platform now. Everyone gets to stand on their soapbox and say how they feel and demand respect for it. I miss the old days where people just kept things in their own damn head. Or if they did tell their friends about it, it stayed there. They didn't have to go, now Now I'm going to make a campaign. I'm going to go to change.org because I feel this way about this thing or this artist did this thing that I don't agree with. Like, it's just mind-numbing that we've been given this gift that allows us to communicate with people around the world. Hi, Gold Coast Batman. Matt, you're in Australia and you follow my show. I get to speak to someone in another part of the world. This is amazing. And Frank over in Africa, I forgot, I forget what country you're in, but how you doing, Frank? I hope you're doing well. Like, it's amazing. We've been given this gift and this way to unite and to connect human beings. And we've somehow turned it into this nasty place to be. What does that say about human nature? But right now, if you're listening to me or if you're watching this on YouTube, I just want you to take a moment and I want you to know deep down in your heart that you're entitled to your opinions. You're entitled to be offended. You're entitled to be in love with something. You're entitled to be happy about something. But at the end of the day, the only person that should matter to is you. So don't go online starting fights with people or being nasty because at the end of the day, none of this stuff matters. And all you're doing is adding to the negative noise in the world. And there's already plenty of that. So next time you go to tweet something, next time you go to reply to someone, next time you there's a disagreement, just remember your opinion only really matters to you. And this opinion, this hot take that this probable stranger had that pissed you off, it really only matters to them. If you go and you start talking to them about it, now you've given them strength. Now you've let them know that their opinion, that their hot take, that their inflammatory remark has gotten to you. And now they've gotten to spread their venom. Don't help spread the venom. I'm sorry, I didn't mean for this to get so preachy. I don't know. I get, I get fired up. But, you know, I just, I look around at all this stuff and, and people passing around preconceived notions or misconceptions. So many people get half truths and then pass them off as truths and then it gets turned. You repeat a lie often enough and it becomes the truth. And it's just, I'm so tired of it. It's so exhausting. It's so exhausting. And I'm honestly, you know, I cut the pot out, you know, about a little over a week ago and cutting out the Twitter is next on the docket. Because my mental well-being is more important than, than all this stuff. And uh, I hope you guys understand that. And I hope you guys are taking care of yourselves. And you're looking at what is it that's bringing me happy? And am I moving towards that? And what is it that makes me upset? And am I moving away from that? Because if you're not taking action, then you also don't get to complain about it.
Because that's another thing that, I, you know, that, that I've always kind of had a, a bone to pick with. People who complain about how hard this or that is or how upset they are about something, but then they continue to participate in that something. Well, it's like, all right, either take an action and move towards the things that bring you joy or shut up about it. That's just how I feel. Um, I really wanted to end this on an optimistic note, <laughs> and I, I, I don't know, I don't know how to how to come back from what I've been ranting about for the last half hour. But suffice it to say, thank you to everyone who made Revenge of the Fans Year One great. Thank you for everyone who sat through this hour of me being not so great today. Uh, I'm sorry that this wasn't particularly informative or insightful or that I didn't have a scoop today for you or anything like that. But this is just me talking to you from the heart. And uh, every once in a while, that's what this show is. That's what sets this show apart from your average sort of entertainment podcast where it's all news and graphics and music and all that sort of stuff. What you get with the Fanboy Podcast is you get direct, direct access into my mind and very often my heart. And a lot of the times that's going to be nice and good and pleasant and interesting, I hope. And sometimes I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have stuff like this to talk to you about. So I hope that this was okay for you. I hope those of you who are similar to me not feeling so hot. Maybe this helped you a little bit to know that this happens to everyone, including cheerful motherfuckers like me, who everyone always says, oh, you're always so optimistic and you always make me feel good about stuff that typically stresses me out. And thank you, thank you, thank you. And I mean, that really means so much to me, knowing that I could bring happiness to anyone. But I got to be honest that even even for me sometimes that the the inner angst uh, spills out sometimes and I'm on the case and I'm working on it and I think 2019 should be an amazing year if I'm able to actually stay on course and do all the things that I want to do this could be the year that is the pivot point for my life if we want to look at this as a halfway point on 35 let's say I get to be 70 so let this be the pivot point for me where I get things on track, or I figure things out, I get the site going, I get the movie, you know, the, the creativity stuff going. That's what I'm trying to do this year. And for this first episode of the year, thank you for, for listening. And I hope you'll join me throughout this year as I try to find true, sustainable happiness and pursue the things that I love. And if there's any way I can help support and nurture what you're working on, let me know. Because this site, this whole thing that I'm working on is to try to give people a voice and to give people a community where we can celebrate things we love and help one another. Because I'm tired of the internet being a place that just tears people down. So, thanks for listening. Until next week, life is chaos. Be kind. Adiós.